What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Now it's time to talk about an immigrant sweatshop worker who became one of the most charismatic radical leaders of the early 20th century. She's been forgotten, but now a new book tells her story. The book is Rebel Cinderella, and the author is Adam Hochschild. Adam is a best-selling author of 10 books. My favorites are To End All Wars. It's about the anti-war movement of World War I. And Bury the Chains. It's about the beginnings of the abolition of slavery. Adam has won many awards. He's a co-founder of Mother Jones Magazine. His articles have appeared in The New Yorker, Harper's, The Atlantic, and The Nation. Last time we talked here was a couple of months ago on the 100th anniversary of the Palmer Raids, the deportations of immigrant radicals, which somehow seems relevant in our own time. Adam, welcome back. Thank you, John. It's always good to talk with you. Well, I'm a historian of the American left, but I must confess I never heard of Rose Pastor Stokes until your book came along, but apparently I'm not the only one. That's for sure. She's really a a largely unknown figure today. The surprising thing to me as I delved into her life story was that At the time that uh, she was alive and politically active, she was extraordinarily well-known. In fact, the proprietor of a newspaper clipping service in 1921, and the newspaper clipping service was the nearest thing to a database at that time, did a count and found that she was the woman whose name was most often mentioned in American newspapers. There were five men, you know, people like Woodrow Wilson and Henry Ford, whose names were mentioned more often, but no woman was mentioned more often in the press. And if you use a database of old newspapers today, like the wonderful one that the Library of Congress has that's online and free for anybody to use, you'll see thousands of articles about her. Well, you open your book, Rebel Cinderella, with a fabulous scene, Rose Pastor Stokes at Carnegie Hall in 1916, but she's not playing the violin. Right. She is addressing a rally promoting birth control. And to speak publicly about things and to distribute medical information about birth control was illegal under the Comstock Act at that time. And she announced on the stage of Carnegie Hall, I'm going to break the law right now. And she began passing out birth control leaflets. You write about her first job in a sweatshop making cigars. How did a 
cigar maker get a full-time job at a newspaper? You know, a lot of young people today would like to get a job like working at a newspaper right now. That's for sure. There were more newspapers back then. Well, here in brief is her story. She came to the U.S. uh, as an immigrant. She was born in Tsarist Russia, fled from there with her mother at the age of three, lived in England for uh, seven or eight years, came to the U.S. in 1890 at the age of 11, and had to immediately go to work as a factory worker uh, in a series of factories that made cigars. By the end of a dozen years, she was the sole support of herself, her mother, and six younger siblings who'd been abandoned by a ne'er-do-well stepfather. But starting around 1900, she began sending anecdotes, letters, articles, sentimental poetry to a Yiddish-language newspaper in New York, the Yiddish's Tageblatt, or Jewish Daily News. Happily for me, because I don't know Yiddish, she wrote for the paper's one English-language page, Mm. And in early 1903, the newspaper invited her to come to New York. She had been uh, living and working in Cleveland, Ohio with her family, come to New York and become a reporter for the newspaper. And that she did. Now, the interesting thing to me at this point was that she was not submitting radical, revolutionary, pro-labor articles. That's not what got her the job. What was she writing when she first started? She was writing uh, humorous anecdotes, sentimental poetry, and an advice column for women called Just Between Ourselves Girls. And what kind of advice did she offer? Very conventional advice. No sex before marriage, hold out for the right man, worship at the synagogue uh, on Saturdays, but sit in the balcony which is in Orthodox synagogues is often where women were, were segregated and made to sit. Very conventional stuff. It didn't seem to have thought much about politics. But after she moved to New York and got married, uh, she got very deeply into the radical movement of that time. And then she got married. The, the man in your story, James Graham Phelps Stokes, I was familiar with his name, For one reason, the Phelps Dodge strike of 1917, it was at a gigantic copper mine in Bisbee, Arizona. It's an incredible story, and it tells a lot about the family that he came from. It does indeed. This was the strike where the company, the mining company, mobilized a posse of several thousand people and rounded up some 1,200 workers and took them out out of town across the state line to New Mexico to get them out of town. Very brutal crackdown. This was one source of the family's uh, fortune. Another source was New York real estate, especially luxury apartment buildings on the Upper East Side. They also owned a cluster of gold and silver mines in Nevada and a railroad that led to them. And James Graham Phelps Stokes, or Graham as he was known to his friends, was a son of this family, but he'd taken a somewhat different route in life. He went to medical school, got very horrified by encountering extreme poverty in New York City. He was in medical school at Columbia while he was working as a medical student on a horse-drawn ambulance serving the city's slums. He was shocked by what he saw, 
And he became part of the settlement house movement and went to live in a settlement house, as many volunteers did at that time, settlement house on the Lower East Side. And one day, Rose Pastor, as she then was, was sent to interview him. That's how they met, and they fell in love. So poor left-wing girl marries rich guy from an incredibly wealthy family. How did this marriage work? Well... It was an extraordinary match, not just because it was someone extremely poor marrying someone extremely rich, but because it was a marriage of Jew and Gentile, which was very, very unusual at that time. And the unusualness of it made it literally front page news uh, across the country. It It was reported in Europe and Australia and other places as well. Front page of the New York Times, lead story in the New York Evening World, this extraordinary match. And the public followed them with great fascination. They lived in a blaze of publicity for the next 20 years because this seemed to be the Cinderella story. Prince Charming from his castle, Uh, marries poor, virtuous Cinderella, whisks her off to the castle from her humble hearth, and so on. Except their lives didn't follow the Cinderella script. Ram Stokes, to some degree, had left the castle. Rose had no desire to live in one. They often stayed with his parents, who had uh, extraordinarily fancy homes. But it always made her uncomfortable. And They married in 1905. In 1906, they both joined the Socialist Party. And for the next dozen years or so, they were friends with all the most interesting people in American life at that time. Emma Goldman, Lincoln Steffens, John Reed, Margaret Sanger, Big Bill Haywood, Eugene Debs. uh, All these folks were in and out of their homes. And some of of them left us their recollections of Rose and Graham. So... Graham Stokes became a socialist. How closely did he follow her politics? She was always in the lead and he was always one step behind? Not exactly. He was in a way in the lead at the beginning because theirs started off as a fairly traditional marriage. Graham was seven years older than Rose. They married on her 26th birthday. She looked up to him, was enormously impressed that here was this guy who knew a lot of the leading writers of the day, had multiple graduate degrees, seemed to know all kinds of things that uh, she didn't know and hadn't experienced in, in life. And I think it took her a decade or so to realize that she was smarter than he was. There soon began to be an imbalance that appeared because she was a tremendously popular public speaker. Uh, One of my few regrets in in researching the book was that it was just a decade or two too early for audio or video, so I couldn't actually hear the sound of her voice, but there are countless people writing to her saying, this is the best speech I ever heard, it moved me to tears, newspaper reporters saying, you know, the audience was so riveted that they wouldn't leave the hall even when they turned the lights off, things like that. And there are signs that Graham was not happy that his wife began receiving more attention than, than he did. And then came World War I. Right. 
And this was the cause of really the first breach between them. Rose ended up feeling uh, that it was a terrible mistake for the United States to enter the war. And she went on the road saying this publicly, giving speeches in different parts of the country. Graham Stokes was so enthusiastic for the war that he enlisted, went into uniform, was too old to be sent overseas, although he tried very hard to make that happen. But he served in uniform in the New York National Guard for several years, never got closer to combat than marching down Fifth Avenue in a parade. And then they were further divided by the Russian Revolution, which happened, you know, the the second phase of the Russian Revolution, the Bolshevik seizure of power, which happened in the fall of 1917. Rose was all for it. Graham was against it. So this deepened the rift between them. Now, you say Rose campaigned against America's entry into World War I. A lot of their friends in the Socialist Party who did this ended up deported or in jail. For example, Eugene Debs went to prison and Emma Goldman was deported. What happened to Rose? She was arrested sentenced to 10 years in prison under the Espionage Act uh, for speaking out against American participation in the war. Graham Stokes put up bail money. They appealed the case. And eventually, some three years later, it was overturned on appeal. So she didn't have to go to jail. Eugene Debs, however, was so moved by her being sentenced and being willing to go to prison for her beliefs that he began speaking out against the war much more energetically than he'd done before. And actually, in the speech for which he was arrested, he said, if Rose Pastor Stokes is guilty, then so am I. And he was sent to prison for several years, and he was still in prison in November of 1920 when he received nearly a million votes for president on the socialist ticket. Well, all this happened 100 years ago. Do you see any parallels to today? Well, I think a lot of the issues that angered Rose and Graham that made them go into the socialist movement are very much still with us. Look at inequality in this country. Today, the top 1% of the population has a greater share of the income and a greater share of the wealth than was the case in 1905 when Rose and Graham got married. You know, we still have extreme poverty in parts of this country. Uh, Every time I drive onto the freeway in Berkeley, I see an encampment of homeless people with their tents under the freeway underpass. So a lot of these problems are still with us. You say she was prosecuted under the Espionage Act. Whatever happened to the Espionage Act? An amended version of it is still with us. And uh, security agency whistleblower Edward Snowden and uh, a number of other whistleblowers have been prosecuted under it. One last question about your research. You say there were lots of newspaper articles about Rose marrying Graham. How hard was it to do research on this topic? Well, I was very lucky, John, because in addition to all those articles, they wrote thousands of letters and kept them, literally thousands of letters. Rose kept a diary, 
and they wrote dueling memoirs. They got divorced very bitterly in 1925, but even kept all the letters, you know, accusing each other of various things that they wrote as they were getting divorced. And you can go look at all these in the various libraries where they've ended up. The memoirs were unpublished. Graham's was never published. Rose's was published uh, only nearly half a century after her death. So this is rich material to work from. And uh, you should urge all your listeners to save their letters, write diaries, give historians like you and me raw material to work from. The amazing story of Rose Pastor Stokes. Adam Hochschild tells it in his irresistible new book, Rebel Cinderella. Adam, thanks so much for talking with us today. Thank you, John.